Hello, everybody, and welcome to Joyfully You Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Lowe, and today we have Jessica Benstock with us. Jessica is a sole advisor for female leaders. She's an avid student of the healing arts, a therapeutic and somatic healing practitioner, and a loving, fierce, and direct mentor with a natural skill in heart-based unconditional holding. She has a fiery hunger for transformation and overcoming the challenges in self-mastery. She spent the past 10 years devoted to learning, practicing, and facilitating this work. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us on Joyfully You. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to dive in with you. Yay, so am I. I'm really excited, especially, um, you know, that... choosing to go after the things that we're being called towards and choosing to say, you know what, these desires are valid. Like the first steps, even noticing what those desires even are. And Mm -hmm. I know a big part of your work is supporting women through that discovery process, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes down to growth. And so I'd love to just hear a little bit about your story of like why you how you got to be doing this work, you know, I feel like you don't just happen to become a sole advisor. So. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm totally in the middle of still playing with that name too, but I, so my story is, it's one of those stories that I eventually will write like a book about. Um, but to, to make it short and sweet, I was on a trajectory to go to art school to become a fashion designer when I was 18 and a graphic designer. So I was playing with both of those, but I wanted to go to the Academy of Arts in San Francisco. I'd already taken summer classes there during high school. And then all of a sudden my life took like an intense 180 degree turn where I fell in love with someone. Um, They ended up like this, just a whole bunch of things ended up happening where my whole life fell apart. So I was going through heartbreak. I was going through really big confusing situations where the places where I'd gotten the most love, the most care in my life, the most profound healing and um, really like my introduction to spirituality as well. Um, All of these things just started falling apart and getting taken away from me. And then I was being judged by every single group of friends that I had. So there was a lot of slander going on around me. I had um, an ex-partner who was spreading all of these rumors. Like it was my first ego death. And so that was really confronting because everything that I thought that I was, I couldn't rest on anymore. So, you know, I was very social. I was very outgoing. I was very, um, I was very focused on creating. I had already started creating my own clothing brand. Um, and all of a sudden I had been, you know, everything fell apart. And at the same time as this all happened, I was just opening up to spirituality and more like the quantum physics or like the science side of spirituality. And um, I was, I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm a skeptic, but I also really like to dive in and go, like I can go way far out there, but I also really want to have direct experience of the thing. So quantum physics was a really good opening for me. And then someone gave me a book on um, hypnotherapy and regression work and past life regression, between life regression. And I was really interested. I was like, hmm, this is fascinating because it was so many documented experiences of real people. And at the time I wasn't like, oh, I really believe in past lives or any of that. I was just like, wow, it's amazing that our consciousness can do that. Whether this is real or not, so many people are experiencing this. And so instead of going to art school, I went to school to become a hypnotherapist. (laughs) 
And it was like a full turn. I had never been interested in any of that before. And I became fascinated in how much you could shift and change people's consciousness, how much we are raised from cultural programming, societal programming, um, you know, childhood trauma, so many things that I intuitively knew but never had words for. I knew that I was dealing with things that were challenging for me and they were really hard to face, but I had no idea that I had a whole subconscious mind. I had no idea that, you know, there was a way to even get into it. I just thought, well, this is just the way that I am. And so that was my initial opening. And that led to me studying many different modalities of um, trauma healing work, of reprogramming work, of um, energetic work, and being able to heal things in the physical body, being able, but it's predominantly been in the emotional body and in the, um, I mean, I've helped people heal things like chronic pain. I've actually helped people heal things that were like cancerous fibroids in the system from, you know, releasing things like uh, sexual abuse in their childhood that they had blocked off. So things where like the physical and the emotional and the mental all kind of meet have Mm -hmm. all been my area of expertise. And then more recently, it's been working predominantly with high achieving women that are also visionaries, but have gotten so far out of their own comfort or not, not comfort zone, but their own intuitive natural design that they've gone through, they're going through burnout or they just feel disconnected. You know, women that are like, well, I've, you know, have a six figure business, but I just am not feeling connected to myself at all. Mm -hmm. Or even like, I have a woman that I work with, um, who's all my clients are amazing but she she helped build one of the california's biggest i think it's an extract company a multi-million dollar company and just like after it got to a certain point and her fight or flight response response was calmed down she just dropped because of so much of her building 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 was based off of running from a lot of childhood pain and abuse and things that had happened to her and so it's fascinating for me to start to see, well, how do we weave these things together? How do we get to a place where we are connected to who we are as a soul in a really grounded, tangible way and still able to function in the world and actually integrate the emotions and the depth of what we feel and who we are and being productive and, you know, not, not having to, to section ourselves off from one or the other. So that's really led into my work now and that's the main thing I've been focused on oh wow from art school to hypnotherapy to parts integration I love it yeah (laughs) totally I love it and I like that you mentioned too you know it's just interesting now working with high achieving women that is a lot that's definitely like a self-identification for a lot of the women that listen to joyfully you of they know they're ambitious they know they're highly empathetic and something that I've heard you talk about that I would love to hear more on is how we approach our productivity, right? Because, you know, like we go after things to do things because we know we're going to feel good when we do them and we're getting like these pleasure hits from doing certain things. Um, and you and I have talked about this and I want to hear a more perspective on, you know, how, how we know what we're operating from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why is it that sometimes productivity can create bliss and sometimes productivity can create burnout? Um, yeah, what is it that you've found? 
Oh, that's such a, I love that. Sometimes, because that's true. Sometimes productivity can create bliss and sometimes it totally creates burnout. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's really, really important to start to see is where, like you said, like where the motive is coming from. Um, and that takes a certain level of self-discovery. There's definitely, you know, to, to start any of this work past the, um, you know, past the, the more inviting parts of spirituality. So like you create your own reality and, you know, we can feel like we can, we can relax and we can meditate and we can open. And these things are like the, the entry points into a whole realm of self-discovery, a whole realm of like, well, who am I? And what is the world? And what what is all of this that's going on that I, you know, I used to take, not necessarily for granted, it was just a default going through the motions. And so you start to wake up as to like, those questions of like, well, why am I doing what I'm doing? And who told me that I needed to be doing it this way? Mm-hmm. And what's important to me versus what have I trained? What have I been trained to think is important from my culture, my programming, my, you know, the media, um, my society, my class, like my gender, all of this. And so those are, I think the the entry point is curiosity. The entry point is really um, being able to approach the why from a place of wanting to know more from a place Mm -hmm. of like, so if your motive is to create a lot of freedom in your life and to bring value to people, where have your definitions of freedom and value come from? Mm. And I think that that's one of the bigger things is we don't, we sit, we're going on autopilot so often that we very rarely ask ourselves, where is my definition of what, you know, what my value is, what my worth is, what creates freedom? What do I even think freedom is? Like, where is my definition of all of those things come from? And then how do I see myself in relationship to those definitions. And I think that, you know, the the motive piece is a real, like, I think everyone's got to sit with that individually. Um, If you had parents that for whatever reason, because of their programming, how they were brought up, a lot of parents just want the best for kids. And they're just like, you know, to be successful in the world, you got to be hard and you got to do, and, you know, your feelings don't really matter. You got to just push through or, you know, in a lot of cultures, it's like, you have to be the lawyer or the doctor or the, whatever it is, the the corporate executive. And we're being pushed into that from a very young age. And so being able to ask ourselves like, well, what is it that I'm, am I doing this to get love from other people? Am I doing this because I think that I actually have to achieve externally in order for other people to validate me so I'm not abandoned? Those kinds of questions are really important. And it doesn't mean that when you discover them, like if if that is, because it's the case for a lot of high achievers, we base our value on what we do, not who we are. And our culture is driven in that way. Our culture defines us in that way. So you can't really blame it on your parents. And then you can't really blame it on the government. Like you can't really blame it on anyone. You just can see like, okay, that's a thing that I may have to look at. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you're doing. Doesn't mean you have to start creating how you, what you're creating. But the way that you do it mm-hmm. is what determines how some productivity gets gives you blissful experiences that just keep feeding your energy and bringing you more energy rich states 
versus burnout. And the way that you do it is very much more nuanced because it's, it's more tricky. Yeah, it definitely, it is more tricky and it's, it's like so slight, but then it creates such this drastic, you know, yeah, like there was a huge fear for me of burnout. I was really afraid of burnout after doing, I worked in corporate America. I gave my all to something. I said what I wanted. I was like, I want to be promoted. I got what I asked for, you know, so I'm affirming certain beliefs of if you want it, you got to ask for it, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I got that, that feeling of the status of being able to be the manager, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like confirming to my ego that I'm important and all these things. And so I love that you mentioned the, the identity, that we hold these identities to, to like supply our worth to. Mm-hmm. And it's like that we do, we identify so much with I am what I create and do versus I am who I am, even when I'm not doing anything. And that was a huge transition for me. And I know a lot of women that I've worked with too, is finding peace in the stillness of like, of like, are you willing to give yourself permission to not be productive and, and embracing a new idea that productivity or rest is productive. And that's really that feminine essence where we're, we're practicing receiving a moment, you know, just similar, like, you know, a fem- a man and a woman, like there's a man that's a penetrator. There's the woman that's the receiver, but then like energetically we receive as well. And I know that's a big part of what you teach is the transition from this masculine paradigm into a feminine paradigm. So what, like, can you walk us through, you know, what that journey is, has been like for you or for your mm-hmm. clients that you've seen when we like consciously decide, okay, this paradigm is not fucking working anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Well, so the, the first important thing to remember is that we have, when you look at how energy operates, so a lot of people know the yin yang symbol. And if I've learned from certain teachings that come from more Chinese medicine realms. And in Chinese medicine, it's all about how there's multiple different elements and things going on in the body and you need to create balance, which is very similar in this regard. It's the masculine polarity and the feminine polarity or the more um, penetrative and the more receptive ways are just the way that our energy works. It's the way, I mean, you look at a battery, that's what a battery is, right? It's plus and minus sign. And so you need both to be balanced in order to have a really thriving integrated system. But what's happened on a broad level is our system is very much based on the external world, the material world during doing accomplishing um, and linear. Like you go from A to B to C to D and one plus two equals three. And like, that's, that is how we look at the world and in certain ways it works. And so we want to start to look at, okay, well, it's not that we're throwing this whole masculine thing out um, or whatever you want to call it, young, masculine, achieving. We're not just throwing that out. Go energy. Yeah, like Also the go and flow energy. Go, go, go do. Oh, I like that. The go and the flow. Yeah. It's, and it's not that they're, they're bad things, but when you polarize so far to one end, you, that's how in holistic, all holistic health, you, start to hurt your body your body starts going out of whack and one of the things I've noticed is the first thing that our this was huge for me coming from my background and starting to work with a lot more entrepreneurs especially because you start to see how it's ingrained in the system 
to teach you to ignore and bypass your emotions. It's ingrained in the system to teach you that you just need to mindset your way over anything that's giving you a signal that you may need to actually rest, actually take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. actually um, process an emotion, feel what's going on underneath. And so I think one of the first, the first things that I think anyone has to do in this path and the first things I definitely do with my clients and have had to do in my own process is without even looking at where I want to go or how to create more feminine ways of being, it's more looking at what are the ways I'm operating in that I'm defining myself by and why am I so afraid of letting go of that protection because it is protection or what, and you don't even see that at first. So like, why am I so afraid of letting go of the ways that I'm doing things? Why is stillness scary? Why is resting scary? Why is, um, you know, actually letting someone else see what I'm feeling scary. Why is intimacy scary? Um, And, you know, at first for very independent women, we got this shit. We don't need anyone else. We're good. Our first thing is going to be like, it's not scary. I can do all that stuff. I can do anything. I can do all that stuff. I'm like picturing this one song (laughs) that like literally the chorus over and over again is like, I love myself. I don't need anybody else. And in my yeah. mind, I'm like, when we love ourselves, that's when we notice we do get yeah. to meet other people. <laughs> exactly. And like, that's, that's one of the things is vulnerability is a, I don't think vulnerability is what we think that it is in the modern. I think we're starting to realize that, especially on like the, in the Instagram worlds that what we've called vulnerability isn't actually vulnerability. Um, it's just more like sharing a win that yeah. used to be hard for you. <laughs> like and we're like vulnerable sharing it's like well that's not actually really vulnerable for you to share so what that does is it mixes up our perception of vulnerability and goes oh well I know how to be vulnerable when really vulnerability is a consistent process of being seen in places that you have done everything to hide yourself from being seen in and to be held in places that you do not trust anyone to hold you in And to open in places that everything in your fight or flight response has told you, if you open here, you're going to die or something bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so the way that those symptoms of being out of balance start to speak to us is through anxiety. It's through being drained. It's through feeling like you need to sleep. But our culture is like, just drink some more coffee. Just take some more caffeine. You know, just like, just get your dopamine hits and push past it. When Power really, through it. <laughs> exactly. And that's where our body is going like, no, there's a, there's a different instruction notice here that you need to listen to. Um, but what I notice with my clients as well as myself, like, and this, this goes back to all energetic sciences, the physical body is the last thing to manifest an illness. So mm-hmm. first it's manifested energetically, then it's manifested mentally, then it's manifested emotionally. If you shut all those things off, or no, excuse me, first energetic, then emotional, then mental, then physical. So if you shut those off, they're still in your system. If you shut your emotions off, if you shut your pain off, if you shut your um, sadness or grief or any of these these deeper things that we don't want to feel off, then eventually there will be a buildup similar to if you have a bunch of toxins in your body, eventually you're going to get sick. Yeah. And, and sometimes so, this turning it off isn't a conscious decision, right? No, 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 no. It's a survival mechanism. 
it's just like, okay, well, I just need to survive. And no one taught me, A, our culture is completely emotionally immature. No one's taught us how to use our emotions. No one's taught, it, no one's taught us how to even communicate from a non-reactive state in the middle of a heightened emotion, which me saying those two things is like, what? Like, I, what do you mean communicate from a non-reactive state while I'm in the height of an emotion? That doesn't make any sense. So the only way I can communicate is to react when I'm in an emotion because that's what you do. And so there's so many tools our culture hasn't given us. And the ones that our culture has given us is either to bypass, numb out, or no, that's actually the, that's all they've given us just to bypass <laughs> and numb out. There's no third. Um, or, to, or I guess to isolate. Which is another way of bypassing denial, complete denial too. Well, and that brings me to another thing I notice in my clients a lot, and um, I it took me a while, but I had to catch it in myself too in certain ways, where we think about confidence as this external thing that we put on, like I'm confident, like I'm confident. One of my clients recently, she was like, "Well, it's not that I'm not confident. Like I think everyone else sees me as confident." but I just don't believe in myself at all. Like who I really am. You know, I know that I can do things. I believe in what I can do, but like, I really just don't like myself at all if I'm honest. And to me, it was, just, it was so interesting to hear that. Cause it was like, Oh, but that's not real confidence. That is a the thing projection. that you learned how to do. Yeah, exactly. And convince other people to respond to because of the way you hold yourself, because of your cadence, because of how you talk. And so in a certain way, our culture calls that confidence but it's completely unintegrated from who we are. And so it can get you to a certain place in your business and the world, but it's not going to get you to a place of feeling like you're actually fulfilled because you're not in the picture there. What you're doing is in the picture, you know, how you're learning to speak, talk, flex, learn a skill, provide that's all there. But if who you are isn't actually a part of that, or if your whole self-identity is based on just what you're doing, then you're not going to be fulfilled because that's basically like, you know, you're ignoring the huge part of your soul, who you are behind, you know, the name tag you have or Mm -hmm. all of that. It's like what's being what's creating the definition of our self-identity is outside of us. And that's probably that. I, and I mm. think that's when the burnout happens, right? Is when yep. we're operating from there. Exactly. Because that's when you start to bypass the natural intelligence of your system. That's trying to tell you, Hey, there's stuff here to process. There's stuff here to actually do. And that stuff connects you to what you're deep, what you're feeling more deeply. That stuff connects you to, you know, who you are. That stuff connects you to how to take care of your body, how to take care mm. of yourself. And, it's really powerful. I mean, it's incredible that we even can will our way past that natural intelligence. On a certain level, it's like, wow, that's pretty profound. Speaks to a lot of what humans can do. Also speaks to the level of self-destruction that we can have when we're not listening to and learning from that natural intelligence. And that's where we've gotten, that's what our whole system is based off of is this disconnection from you know, you could call it the feminine, you could call it life, you could call it natural intelligence. It's a, it's a disconnection from a system that we are operating in naturally. And what's been superimposed on top of it is a false system that is not honoring certain very, very important 
principles. And because of that, we have all sorts of symptoms in our culture of imbalance and war and greed and, you know, the unhealthy competition, um, mistrust, human, like a ton of human suffering, basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And the suffering is, is when the integration isn't happening. Right. Cause then like the suffering Mm -hmm. is why am I feeling this way? I need to be fixed oh my gosh, I must be weak if I'm feeling this because no one else is posting about these heavy emotions. Everyone yeah. else is living their best life. So <laughs> I must be flawed. <laughs> You're the only human that has struggles. Yes, it's true. It's so funny because that's what we think. That's literally what goes on inside of so many people's heads. Oh my God, like I can't show anyone this. This is like, this is not good. That this is happening to me. If other people saw this, like, like we were talking about- What really, would that mean about me? Exactly. And what does that mean about my status? What does that mean about my power? What does that mean about my um, ability to influence? What does that mean about people trusting me? What does it mean about like its weakness, which basically says that like anything you feel that's not positive is weak. And we're, again, we're starting to mature a bit more towards like knowing that that's not totally the case, but we're still in that process of maturation. And I think that we're still at the beginning stages of that process of maturation. Um, there is, there is a way to be able to feel deeply honor your process, not let it make, not identify it as being weak because you start to realize it's, for me, it's like, I've worked with thousands of people like, if anyone tells me they are not experiencing some form of human suffering at some point in their life, I'm telling you they're lying. <laughs> you know, like I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you've made. I don't care how much status you have. Like I don't care how powerful you have, how much power you have to influence. You're going through and have gone through really big challenging things internally. And there's a way to own that. Let that be okay. And not have to drop your power. But in this patriarchal system, sensitivity is weakness mm-hmm. feeling yeah. is weakness exposing any kind of emotion is weakness mm-hmm. and it's only that it only is weakness if you if you're abandoning yourself you know it's only weakness if you're not actually integrating mm-hmm. what's there yeah so that's so powerful of, of not abandoning yourself mm-hmm. you know it's like be willing to be with yourself so when you're like what have you found as far as when people are, when we're got, going through an emotional experience and energetically these emotions are flowing through us, if someone is experiencing that, how do you support them in not getting stuck in their shit, in that reality, mm-hmm. versus being a vessel for those things to flow through them? Well, the first thing is that's an art form. It's an ongoing art form. It's something, you know, the way that I approach my own process and the way that I teach this to other people and help my clients through it is you you're relearning an entire lifestyle. And so it's similar, different, but similar to when, you know, you've been on the standard American diet and you've just been like sitting on your couch all the time. And like, you're like, I want to be healthy. You have to relearn how to eat the different times to eat, how to work out, how your body works. Like there's so many things that you have to shift about your paradigm to be able to 
go from, you know, couch potato who's eating potato chips all the time or what, whatever it is to healthy fitness guru or, you know, wherever you're going, whatever ideal two sides of those polarities you're on. And in that process, there's a ton of different mindset shifts, self-image shifts, learn, there's tons of different learning. You're going to mess up a bunch of times. Like it's going to be, you're going to have to let it be a quote unquote messy process to be able to learn and grow. And this is the same thing. Um, it's, it's not just shifting one thing. You are completely changing your connection to your experience of life. And so the first thing is patience, caring for yourself enough to be able to know that, you know, it's going to be messy. You're not going to do it perfectly. No one ever does. Um, the second thing would be having a practice that allows you to fully go into what's happening where and I think a lot of the time at the beginning, having someone else hold space for you that's already gone through this is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but but starting to get experiences in different containers. So whether that's um, having healers or coaches or you go to, or you have a friend that's just really well-versed in this stuff that can hold space for you or a partner or whatever it is. And letting yourself fully go into the experience without feeling like it means anything about you. Mm giving yourself permission to actually have, because it's so funny. Well, we all have emotions that we experience over there behind the curtains, right? But in the middle of experiencing them, oftentimes most people are beating themselves up. They're not letting the full thing express because they're too busy going, oh, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't yeah, what's be the feeling meaning? this, you know? Versus like, just feel it for what mm-hmm. it is. And I think that, that that's one of the bigger um changes is that permission to be able to let something hit let it come out let it express let it move um and you know some people there's a phase a huge phase of de-repression if you if you've braced against life so much so many times and shoved it down and swallowed it you may need to work with someone who's gonna like create a space where you can actually go in and it's not gonna waver if you try to deflect (laughs) you know um but i would say it's it's a learning process and then i think having a really clear meditation process is really important mm-hmm. um not one where you're imagining a bunch of different things but one where you're actually just being really present with exactly what you're feeling it's a huge part of what i do in my work is really being able to get present with what we're experiencing in the body mm-hmm. um and just sitting with it or really experiencing any kind of emotional charge that you have and just sitting with it and breathing with it, not pushing it away, not trying to shove it down, just being with it as mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And that pushes up against the, the unsupportive paradigm of the high achiever that wants to find a problem and fix it. Exactly. It's going against, it's completely the opposite of that. It's like, no, there's nothing to fix. It's like this, I had a mentor tell me everything's always figured out if you hold the space and belief that it's figured out without needing the proof of it. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you are suggesting a guided meditation that isn't like a visualization process that really is more of like a check-in and yeah. observation. 
And have you discovered for yourself that like that muscle of observation from meditation, you find all of a sudden starts translating throughout your entire day? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, one of the things, so I just went, uh, I just got done with three years training at a meditation school. That's also a, an energetic vision cultivation school and healing school. And we were doing like, well, that sounds six, cool. It was, it was amazing. And it was really hard. Like, I think most people were like, Oh, you're at a retreat center. I'm like, no, like I'm getting my, like when you watch martial arts movies where there's a the teacher and no matter what the trainee kid does, he's like, no, you're doing it wrong. Like, and he's just dismantling and deconstructing and deconstructing till the student is like what am I doing I can't and they just surrender and then finally they get it I was going through that for like three years and um and it was it, it was really challenging but at the same time it was extremely enlightening because it made me realize how many how many ways I try to evade my own process and this is after seven years of focusing <laughs> on healing work and what's one of the things that it really showed me was when you're visualizing, it can be really potent. You can move energy in the body. You can do like, I, I don't want to say visualizing really, really bad, but it does something different than being present in your body and cultivating that way. You're talking about that state of the witness, that state of that state of presence, that state of clarity. And when you start to get into more, intensive meditation sciences um, because they really are their sciences of consciousness when you get into that realm it's like you start to realize how much the mind just wants to either push away project or control Mm. and it's so you know potent when you're able to really actually be with what's happening and being present with what is as it is um, and doing that in meditation, sorry, I'm pointing over there. That's my altar, but doing that in meditation, it does, it's, it's a muscle of cultivation of consciousness and it does translate into the rest of your life. And it makes you judge things less too, which is super key. If when you're going into processing, processing deeper things and also, you know, a big part of why we protect ourselves is because and shut off and, you know, need to save face and create all the suffering and confusion and Western mind neurosis is because we feel like somewhere we, we are not enough. It's not safe to be ourselves. It's not safe to be who we actually are underneath. So we need to keep creating more self-images and more, more things to prove like this, I am worthy. I am worthy where when you actually take the time to see, okay, it's uncomfortable to be with myself as I am because I'm afraid it means all these things, but I'm going to choose to show up for myself no matter what, no matter what it means, no matter what my mind says it means about me. You start to find that it's very much not about you having ever done anything wrong. And you start to see that so many people are actually operating with the same belief that we think is so personal and is so much more of a collective paradigm. And that has to come through witnessing because the more you can witness yourself, the more you can witness someone else, the more you can start to see through the illusion basically that we have bought into that 
we're not enough or that we need to do all sorts of things to be more. Yeah. Yeah. There's somewhere around along the line, we adapted the belief that certain things are only available for certain types of people. <laughs> yeah, totally. Those definitions are sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's the question is really it's I mean, I could go on a whole side conversation about this, but like where those all came from, when you start to look at the amount of energy that's put into programming us in the media, in advertisements, in um social narratives. You know, this, these things are everywhere from the time we we're born, generationally, you know, and that, that changes with every generation a little bit, but there's still these principles that stay the same, which is like, this is for this, these kinds of people, and this isn't for these kinds of people. And you have to wow. be, and then you find out that these kinds of people who are quote unquote on top, who have figured it out, they're not happy either because they're disconnected from themselves too. <sighs> and that, yeah. And I feel, you know, a lot of the women that listen to Joyfully You podcast too is it's, I call it the self love journey. You know, we could also call it the awakening, the enlightenment path, whatever. Because I feel like being a high achiever and placing so much of our worth outside of us. And then also recognizing, right? Because once we recognize, then, then we're able to start to, I feel like, read distribute our energy and move it around to other places. Um, but the self-love is like just, in my opinion, a, a constant self-forgiveness of mm. the realization of the ways we were operating, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think part of that comes from being able to see like, it's just, it's so not personal. Like it's not, yes, we have the details of the stories of our lives and the things we've experienced. But when you start to see that it's a more collective thing that's going on and that like the awakening of like bringing love to what's happening, the more you see like, oh, okay, this is, this isn't, this actually isn't me. It's me and it's not, you know, it's me plus a lot of pain that for whatever reason I've experienced and taken on beliefs about because I didn't have the right teachers or I didn't have guides that weren't healed. Um, I didn't have the information, the information. Yeah, exactly. The how to, no one gave us the manual. <laughs> yeah. No one gave me a manual on being a sensitive soul. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. oh my god and there's more thankfully we now have the internet so there's more of those out now (laughs) but when we were young we didn't have it you know yeah and it's so interesting that subconscious mind of realizing what that deeper level is that we're operating from that there's only a few places to tap into that and I feel like you know Mm. trauma changes us as adults but we don't want to rely on trauma to be the only thing to awaken us. And so it's like, thank God for meditation. (laughs) Thank God for hypnosis. Although as I'm saying that out loud, that is the only way that certain people are awakened if they aren't choosing to go into those deeper 
process yeah, is. It's such an that's why I've been question. focused so much on meditation within my own business because I'm like, that's the bridge. If, mm. if we can feel, if we can create more confidence in the process of that stillness. Oh, and how you mentioned too, like this kind of distorted definition of confidence. I don't remember who I heard it from, so I can't like quote them directly, but I guess once you start saying something enough times, you've just got to own it. But that like the confidence is the belief we are safe in our own vessel. Mm. Mm. And I just, that changed it for me. I'm like, that's it. That's the definition. It's safe to be here, to be me, to be with me. Um, mm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm for curious. Me. Do you use inner child work um, laced with the, the, the process and the journey you take your clients through? I mean, there's any kind of process that I've learned of all of the, all of the processes that the really deep work happens in all have inner child work. Mm. Um, because, you know, as we go through childhood development, we start, that's when we start to kind of build the armors and the shields and like the, the characters, I guess, that we play that disconnect us from our soul. And, um, a lot of the work that I do has to do with operating in the subconscious. So the theta waves are what we're in, which is the, those are the waves that we normally experience when we're asleep or in deep meditation. But as a child, you're in them all the time, which means you're completely permeable and open. You know, now we have filters as we get older, we have filters um, and our brain waves change because of that. But as a child, you don't have those filters. So anything that happens, you take in, you're feeling everything, you're being imprinted by everything that's going on around you. And the programming that comes normally that we're dealing with in our adult lives comes from the first few years, like first, you know, 10 years of childhood, a lot of the time, it's not all the time, but um, the inner child work is, is massive because it connects to the part of you that is, it holds a ton of the keys beyond the the pain body so yeah I do I definitely do that kind of oh, work that's awesome mm-hmm. it like makes empathy soar even without like a deep visualization or guided meditation just imagining our own inner child I feel like it's like an empathy trick because yeah. the moment we imagine a child version of ourselves, it's just oh heart cracks open yeah <laughs> tears are coming out of nowhere and it's yeah. like oh there I am yeah, exactly. And it's amazing how much those parts of ourselves, especially you'll see it a lot when you're in relationships, like how much those parts of yourself run the show a lot of the time. But any kind of any kind of intimate connection that you have to anyone in your life, people that you let really, really into your inner circles are a really good way to start to see the dynamics that play out with the inner child and like what they're you know, what you are trying to get, but learned you could only get if you do it in a certain way or what you feel like you can't get or how you've compared yourself or places that you've given away your power. All of that happens first in the developmental years. And it it depends on, you know, your parents, situations you've been through, the kind of schooling you went through, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But there's so much beauty and I think that's actually one of the keys now that you mention it with really doing integrative emotional processing work where you're actually allowed to just feel 
Because you look at kids, they're not like, oh, no one can see me cry. They're just like, that hurt. (laughs) There's no like, what's anyone thinking about this emotion? No one can see it. They're going to think I'm weak. There's just like, ouch. And then they feel it. Whereas we go like, ouch, I'm fine. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And so we don't, and then we do that enough times in life, and all of a sudden you've got like this total buildup of energetic blocks. And um, that's such a powerful example, too, because that can be done for stubbing our toe or getting dumped, right? We we, we start to like mirror the way, like, oh, found a way, all areas of my life. (laughs) Totally. And our ego is focused to do that. I mean, it makes sense, you know, like I used to be like, yeah, like I don't want to feel bad I would rather not feel uncomfortable or bad or pain and I have this extremely intelligent body that I live in and mind that I have that is going to try to protect me as much as it can from getting hurt and that works really well with like if a lion's coming to attack me but we have so many emotional survival mechanisms that we don't realize are I and I to be honest, like, I think that we just have not been taught to evolve them from a young age. I think that if we had people that did this kind of work that raised kids and really nurtured and taught them how to have the right tools for emotional processing, you'd see completely different humans, but we just haven't really had that. And so, you know, emotions aren't a part of schooling. And so once you start to see that they're a super integral part of your life and there's a ton of intuition. There's a ton of, there's so much power when you can integrate and process things and you don't have to grip that allows you to accelerate. Even though in our mind we think, Oh, well now I have to like feel this thing, you know, I can't get my work done, but it's like, if you actually feel the thing, and yeah, maybe there's a day or two that you like you're out and you need to like nurture yourself and take care of yourself. The way that you're going to be able to show up and serve the world and serve your people and have more access to yourself is going to be exponentially more. And it's going to be more aligned with what you actually really want. It's going to be more aligned with what your soul really craves. It's going to be more aligned with your intuition, which is again, innately a feminine principle. Yeah. So, yeah. And it kind of brings back to the point how you mentioned it's not linear, that it's not always going to be a, it's not going to make sense, but there's an energetic upgrade that's happening when we purge those emotions. It's like, you know, we see things as like a a linear thing as examples in the world that we see, even, you know, planting a seed. We're like, okay, this time it'll become this and then it'll become Mm -hmm. this and become this. And we know it's growing, even if we can't see the growth, um, but I feel like energetic is more of an ascension, like that emotional thing of like, okay, I'm in this realm in this timeline, so to speak. But when we actually let those emotions pass through us, it's like, it's like cleaning the dark corners and bringing light to them and all of those things that we've been ignoring. And that's why it's painful. It is painful. And that's like the yeah. one thing it's like, this is a choice to do. And it's just counterintuitive because it's like, oh, why would I choose pain? Exactly. Why exactly. Would I choose? But it's like, no, you're choosing to like, we're choosing to allow it to go through us. Easier said than done when you're in it. But I think that like, I use this affirmation of um, it's safe to be with myself right now. Whenever I do want to evade or I want to smoke a joint to escape versus mm-hmm. to enhance, you know what I mean? And 
so, so it's, powerful. It's, a, it's such a skill. It's such a skill. And it's, I think the thing that we're starting to come to is like, when you see people that have done that kind of work, when you're in the presence of people that have really, really integrated, you can tell something's fundamentally different, but it's hard to place what. And a lot of it has to do with their presence because they're able, because they've had to, they've had to exercise presence so many times in their own process of their own path and their own development, their own evolution. And so when you see it like that, you're like, oh, that, that is valuable. But then when you're like faced with doing it yourself, you're like, oh, I don't know. Do I really <laughs> want to do this? Like, because yeah. it, it's a whole, you're taking on again, like a whole new way of having to consciously exercise how you operate in life. And there's so many options to escape. There's like 20 million options that we have yeah. right now. And we don't even have virtual reality. Once we have virtual reality, there's going to be a whole complete other world of being able to escape. But right now we have the drugs, we have drinking, we have food, we have Netflix and social media is just designed and banks off of us wanting to escape and them out versus mm-hmm. being present with what we're feeling. So that's yeah. yeah, huge. Do you have like a, a ongoing or like what is the dialogue of your higher self when you are working through deep shadow work? Like, do you have something that like anchors you <laughs> to remind yourself it's temporary? You know, what's <sighs> yeah, that's a good question. I, so for myself, there's definitely a sense of, knowing that even when it seems the most extreme, there's a bigger process that's at play. Mm. Um, Even when it seems the most challenging. And to be honest, that's like, I I'm super into prayer. I was not raised Christian or anything like that. I, I just really feel like asking for help from a power that is higher than you even if you don't want to call it God or, or whatever, it's, there's just something that's obviously knows more to me. It's obvious. There's something here that knows more than I do. <laughs> and to have a dialogue with that from a really sincere place is really helpful for me. Um, and it works always works. Um, so being able to feel what I need and not from a place of please save me from this, but from a place of, you know, please give me the strength that I need or the vision that I need or the insight mm-hmm. that I need or the holding that I need to know how to most gracefully move through this. Mm. And I think those things are ultimately what come from my higher self, this, this ability to allow myself to be fully feeling and at the same time be in communion with a higher perspective of what's going mm. on versus getting sucked into what the emotion wants me to think. Or what my mind really what my mind wants to think about the emotion because emotions are just mm-hmm. like they're data. just yeah they don't they don't actually really have a story our minds yeah. have stories attached to them mm-hmm. but the emotion itself is just energy it's yeah. just it's something moving through your body yeah that's so powerful it's like one emotion isn't more valuable than the other mm-hmm. they're all like equal but some are more enjoyable very much so it's like the judgment of the emotion it's like okay I think so badly we want to create a meaning for everything Mm -hmm. and so it's so unnatural 
until that muscle's created to be in the void of mm. that. And the void sounds like this negative thing, but I know since you've studied quantum physics and stuff, that void yeah. is the place of all creation because there's yeah. nothing. So there can be everything, which is yeah. such a counterintuitive because people are like, oh, the void. As yeah. if it's like this negative depression <laughs> hole. Um, I know. Yeah. Well, and it can be scary. Like, I think it can be really scary if you don't have the right, I don't want to say right is a hard word there, but if you don't have, integral guidance mm. uh, or integrous in, like being it being like if like having integrity yeah on their motivation okay yeah 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 like someone who's done because that's another thing with the with the whole coaching world the wellness world um and that's a weird, one of the things I had mentioned to you before is I've coming from 10 years of study into the coaching world with all of the love and compassion in my heart for what people are are doing and showing up for and wanting to become and becoming, I find it more rare that there's people that have done a significant amount of work on themselves before they're showing up to guide other people. And so when you're going into these really deep spaces of, of healing or processing or, and you know, it doesn't even have to be that It, it can be like, you know, want like getting support for different aspects of your life. If you're doing that from people who haven't done a significant amount of work on themselves, doesn't mean they have to have done the same thing um, that you want to do, but it means that they've cultivated a level of awareness past their emotional reactions and ebbs and flows and past um, what the, you know, narrative that you read on Instagram is and past just like telling you the one line things that like, just be positive or just like, you know, breathe, just those kinds of things. Um, It's rare to find people that have done that. And it's important to have those kinds of people on your team that are helping you through the really vulnerable spaces, because it means that they've been in really vulnerable spaces themselves Mm -hmm. and they've known what it takes to really go there. And they know how to hold space for it because they've had to do that for themselves over and over again too. You can't really take someone where you haven't totally gone yourself. Yeah. And I think that that's really, um, that's a really key thing. That's probably more and more going to be coming to the forefront of people's awareness is what is it to, be a leader that's also integrated in, in your healing process. Um, I mean, and I think that having, so that, that is one of the things, having someone to guide you and then also doing your own work to learn about what, like why you want to do this kind of work. Because if you don't have a why and you're diving in super deep, you're going to get to a point where you're like, what the hell am I doing? And even if you know your why, you're going to get to a point of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> um, and when you can continue to cultivate the aspiration of, of growing, of not being in control of your trauma, not being controlled by trauma responses, of wanting to find your soul, of wanting to feel more meaning, um, those, those spaces that feel void, like actually become filled with treasure and filled with aha moments and filled with being able to, it feels like waking up in a lucid dream where you're like, Oh, I see all the different ways that I've been just unconsciously projecting or reacting to life as if it's against me or like I didn't have power here or 
and they're always so nuanced. They're always so specific to you and your path and your process. And that's why it's important for you to go through it yourself, mm-hmm. not just to take in, oh, well, I read that like Be Here Now book. So I'm good. I get it. I read, I read the book. I have the books read, but I haven't actually really experienced it in myself. And that's where people, that's where you meet that threshold of people that have really moved through the process and then people that have in a very inspired way, read a lot of literature about it, but haven't had the direct experiences of moving through that process on their, on their own. Mm, that's such a powerful discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like we pick it up right away consciously yeah. where we, we can sense right away if something feels authentic and real and raw versus mm-hmm. when it feels like from a pedestal. Yeah, totally. And well, and there's nuance there too, because it can be easy to, it can be easy to look at, let's see if I can explain this. It's like when, when some, if I'm looking up to someone else and I'm, I haven't owned a, a certain form of my power somewhere and I'm looking at someone, I'm going, oh my God, they're so powerful in this way that I am identifying myself as not powerful. And they're on the opposite end going, well, I'm going to show myself in this way because for me, this is what makes me feel safe and this is what makes me feel powerful. But they could also look at me and go, oh, wow, she shows up in this way that I totally don't know how to. So she's more powerful than me. You can start to play this reflecting ego game. And I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people go, oh, I want to be like her. But really we don't see that what she may be showing you may be a direct match for a place that you're not owning your power. It may not be that she has something that you don't. It may be more that you are projecting onto her something that you wish that you had. Mm-hmm. And so then you're going to go to her and praise her and put her on a pedestal and not have discernment over why you're choosing a certain teacher or a certain guide or a certain mentor as well. And those are all really beneficial experiences to have as well. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. We all do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, and there's a, there's a big part of that too, of the reason why we like it so much within the other person and are drawn to mm-hmm. it is because that frequency already resides within us. Yep. Exactly. And exactly. it's, it's like, yeah, that's, I, lo- I love how you broke that down. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm not owning my power in this area because I'm so attracted to it from this person. Exactly. And oh man, it's amazing how many, well, if you can start to see that. And for me, that was like the nuanced thing that after doing this work for a while, I started to get that there's themes. Mm-hmm. And if you can spot the themes, then you can start to see what's really going on where you're not actually owning a part of your power and it's and you're going to attract the same relationships the same friendships for me it was the same in my relationships and in my best friends over 10 years even I can even see it in high school and see it in middle school at times there's these archetypes of people and the way that I relate to them that has been the same or similar. It's evolved as I've evolved and reclaimed more of my own sense of sovereignty. Um, But the pedestooling game is a really good way to see like where you, where you're giving away something that's actually yours to your perception 
of someone else. Um, and if you can start to catch flavors of where you do that, you are on a really good track to finding your natural design versus what you think you need to become. Because mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're putting it out into the world going like, oh, I need to be like that because she has something I don't, then you're going to constantly be operating from a place of putting your power outside of yourself and thinking that you need to be something that you're not. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, definitely. 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 And the irony is it, uh, the irony in that is it's already inside of us. That's why we're attracted yeah, to it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think the, the key with that piece of it is going. So first noticing when you're doing that, cause the first step is awareness, right? It was like being aware, like, Oh, maybe I'm doing something that isn't actually in alignment with truth. Let's suppose some humans may be doing things out of alignment with truth. <laughs> All of us do in different ways. And when, when you can start to see, okay, so what is it that I'm protecting myself against in relationship to that person? Like for me, the other day I came home and like my partner was playing, um, he's really, really good at guitar and makes super beautiful music. And I was so, like, I was so crunchy already because I had just had a conversation that was not very fun to have. And I came home and was like, oh, I wish that I was playing music, but I can't play music. And he plays guitar so much better than I am. And I, like, I watched the whole emotional reaction happen in my mind. And I was like, okay, what are you protecting yourself against? What I realized I was protecting myself against was that I wanted to be able to to do something he was doing as good as he was doing it. And it became very silly because it's not like I can't do that in my own way. I can. And if I want to get better, I can get better. Like I know these things, I can get better. So the, there were two ways I could have walked into the house. One way was the inner child that was all angry and trying to protect her pain to come in and be like, hmm. You know, gonna cross my arms and not have fun. And like, when oh, I, you're playing guitar again? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're doing what you love again? Oh I my gosh. <laughs> and I actually really enjoy it, but I'm not gonna have fun. And then the, <laughs> the, the second thing was just to come in and be like, wow, I'm gonna dance. Like, I love how this sounds. This sounds so beautiful and so good. And I so deeply, like, I love the music he makes. And I love dancing to it. And I love that, you know, my house turned into a, like a, it's got really good acoustics. It just sounded really good. And it was the perfect way to shift my energy from this conversation that I had just had where I kind of felt like crunchy and weird to like being back in my own skin and being back in my own sense of center. But if I hadn't caught that kind of way that my emotional state wanted to inform everything else in my reality and really feel what was happening in my reaction first, I would have come in and probably created an entire situation of, you know, (laughs) well, then I come in and then I feel crunchy and then he can feel it. So he turns off his music and then he comes to comfort me. And then I'm like, I don't like you comforting, you know, like you see that happen in relationships so often, but really it's just the ego trying to protect itself from its 
own feeling of inadequacy and high achievers do that all the time. You know, we, we project on other people we see online, we project on, we like, like anyone that's the smartest or the best at something, we feel like we have to be better than them. And until we're better than them, we're not enough. And it's really just ways of protecting ourselves from feeling adequate, which is very silly or feel like feeling inadequate, which is really just feeling ourselves. So then you get, you go a few layers back and then you start to feel like, well, what do I actually want? That's what's really important. Not protecting myself from mm-hmm. some impossible standard. <laughs> impossible. Know? I like joke that it's that, that carrot being dangled in front of us. And it's this idea that there is a level of perfectionism of, you know, I'll start yeah. when, when it's all ready. I'll start when I'm ready or mm-hmm. it's supposed to look a certain way. So this is all resonating so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and I think too, it's just, it's that, that idea of, of it needing to be a certain way and being open to the fact that there's more than what our ego's plan has, which I think we can all say, it doesn't matter what time of 2020 you're listening to this podcast, you had plans and they changed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you realize all of a sudden you were not as in control as you thought that you were. And your entire world showed you <laughs> when normally you're probably pretty good at getting around that. Yeah. Normally when someone tells you that you can't do something, you probably find a way to do it. So this is the ultimate ego check of like, Oh, such an ego check. <laughs> it is. Maybe I'm not in charge here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, and I think the bigger lesson too with 2020 has been, well, what you are in charge of is your own state. If, you, if you're in charge of anything, the only thing that you can be in charge of is your own emotional state and your own ability to respond. But yeah. besides that, you have no control over. And that's, what's interesting is that's so true in life. It's so, and we only realize it when there's a birth or a death or a wedding or some crazy tsunami somewhere. We, we, we all of a sudden, yeah, global pandemic, like we only realize it when there's these huge events and we're like, oh, I'm not actually really like life is so crazy. I'm not really actually in control of anything. And yet we forget. And what's funny is in, in those moments, it's so confronting. Like when someone that you love dies, it's very confronting. And you start to ask the big questions of like, wait, what is life? What am I doing? And in the pandemic, it's the same thing. Like, well, wait, what am I doing? Like, what is my relationship to this? What is my relationship to what I'm doing in life? And, and you know, so many things. And it breaks down our identity. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a global ego death. That's basically yeah. what we're going through is a global yeah. ego death. Yeah. Like through some of the deep grief that I've experienced, it's been, that's the way I've described it is it feels like a rebirth because such a big part of your identity and relationship to that person has died. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the ego death really too, well, for anyone that's in the entrepreneurial space, it's a little bit different, but yeah. it's who we are outside of our job, right? I am not my job title. And so then say something like a global pandemic happens where your job is no longer the forefront of your attention and your time it's creating that identity of who am I without this? Yeah, exactly. And like, wow, like on a certain level, and this, this comes from, you know, doing so many years of this kind of work where you start to see 
what most people look at as crisis is incredible opportunity. You know, like, oh my God, like you went through this horrible breakup with someone that you realized was really unhealthy for you. Wow, this is going to be such an amazing time of growth for you. You know, where like it's heart-wrenching to them and it's terrible and and you, you can still empathize with that. But at the same time, this is in a similar way. Like, oh, wow, like you're, the, the job that you had that meant everything to you and you based your entire self-image on, you now don't have. And you have to ask yourself these big questions like, what a beautiful opportunity. Because you could have gone through life thinking that you are that title and completely missing who you actually are underneath. And, you know, that was like when my life fell apart when I was 18. That, that was traumatic. Like I was very much socially from all angles. And I grew up in a small town. Like I was ridiculed and there was so much, so many rumors that weren't true going on about me and that had never happened before none of them were true and what it did was it broke my connection to who I thought I was and in the space that opened up I found so much more of myself wow but man it's so scary because you you feel like you you have nothing to hold on to anymore and it feels like dying a little bit yeah yeah that's so powerful. And it's, it just goes to show too, like the beauty in the process of like things breaking down means things can break through. And yeah, exactly. like if we can't reach on to anything, eventually it's like we learn how to reach within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the- my, my hope and my intention and my, my will with everything that I'm here to create in the world <laughs> is to help people connect to that stillness if they've never been taught how. And I know that's totally. a lot of your connection to what you're doing as well. And Totally, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's a whole new way of navigating. Like, and that's the thing. If, if, if the equation works that you had before, you're not going to stop doing the equation until you start to see that there may be a different one. Mm. But you know, it's not always easy to learn a new language or learn a new skill. And normally you're only going to learn it when things get so uncomfortable with where you're at that you realize you need something new. But when you find that something new and you really use it, like meditation, like doing deep work, like having, um, you know, having these parts of you that you thought were you and actually finding deeper parts of your soul and finding your purpose or I don't necessarily like saying it like that, but like finding what feels purposeful to you, mm-hmm. finding what feels important, finding what inspires you. Like you, you look back and you realize it's always worth it. It's always worth it to go through those things because on the other side of it, whew, it's so incredible. It's so worth it going through it you're like why what's going on (laughs) yeah the other side it's it's powerful because you come out in the middle of a totally new paradigm meaning like the way you respond to life is different what you attract in life is different how you feel in your life is different that's and then you're able to give more from that too like Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yes. yes. Ah, it's so good. Cause it is, it is a completely different paradigm where there's different levels of ease and flow. And I think that that's the one thing that I kind of wish someone would have told me is don't worry. It's not going to look and feel 
the way it does now mm-hmm. later in any shape, way, shape, or form. Totally. I yes. Just, so I like to always ask people at the end um, to complete the sentence. And so this is based off of just your personal definition. To um, So the sentence is, self-love is. Self-love is, self-love is the highest form of devotion. Mm. Yeah, I'd say that. Mm, self-love, self-love is the highest form of devotion. I love that so much. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I think one day I'm going to need to do a, a little thing just with all the self-love definitions from the podcast. Oh my God, that's great. Ask it at the end of every single podcast. Mm. I like your definition a lot. What's your favorite one that you've gotten so far? Or do you have a favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite. And I, I honestly, I mean, I remember like someone saying self-love is self-acceptance. And I, I agree with that. But mm. I think devotion to self, you know, devotion to our expression. I love that one. I mm. love that. Because the mm. idea of devotion, that's what really gave me a positive relationship with discipline was when I started looking at as devotion. And that's a, yeah, whole yeah, conversa- yeah. that's a whole nother conversation. But what, realizing that I was drawn towards devotion, I was turned off by discipline and learning how to integrate those and realizing why does one feel different than the other? Um, totally. So thank you so much, Jessica, for being on the show. It has been yeah. such a honor and a pleasure having you. Mm, it's been so beautiful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So how can people play? How can people get in contact with you or... You know, if you have anything coming up, um, how yeah. You- so I, sorry, I just gotta grab my computer charger. Um, <laughs> no worries. So I am most active on Instagram. So it's at jessica.benstock, B E N S T O C K. And then also on Facebook, Jessica Benstock jessicabenstock.com is my website (laughs) so really you just need to know my name facebook instagram um my website is all great and i have a few things on my website that you can download for free okay guys if you're listening to this episode and you've loved it take a screenshot of your cell phone right now tag at your instagram stories tag jessica tag me we would love to say hi to you and um you can slide into those DMs because it's so cool when we get to actually connect with the real individual human beings that are on this web of the internet. I know for that's also how Jessica and I were able to meet to even create and co-create this episode with you um, or together. So thank you so much, Jessica, for joining the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yay. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Joyfully You Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Lowe, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.